Hello and welcome to the Downloadable Concept Podcast, where today we are all Werner Herzog because all art is a reflection of the greater self that lies within all humanity. Today, I am Werner Herzog's Vi, in that I am responsible for seminal changes in genre, but I am unknown by the masses who think Dune 2 was the first RTS. I am joined this week by Conrad Werner Herzog. This is my favorite podcast on the Citadel. And of course, by Werner the Herzog. I could tell you that the baby animal has escaped safely, but that would be a lie. (laughs) The world is not a kind place. (laughs) Okay, that was more elaborate and stupid than I thought it would be, but... (laughs) I think we set the tone. Nailed it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also segues really well to what I've been playing this week. Yeah, all, all, all of our Werner Herzog-loving fans are going to be totally all over. By the way, uh, the main hit <laughs> you will find if you search for uh, the names Werner or Herzog in video games is a monstrous NeoGAF thread with, like, four people arguing for months over if Dark Souls 2 is the video game Werner Herzog would make. <laughs> Somehow that's very good, because it's also, like, it's position relative to the previous Dark Souls. That's like, that's peak Dark Souls fan right there. (laughs) Yeah, and and I glanced at this thread very briefly, and there appears... You threw up a little bit in your mouth. Well, on, like, page four, someone who hadn't been involved in the discussion walks in and says, um... Post that Homer Simpson walking back into the... Hedgerow me gif and then <laughs> no 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 they post they posted uh uh wings on the himmel i think it is the german title of 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 wings over berlin and um then emoted mic drop and then they didn't show up with a thread after that point so i don't know what the <laughs> point they were making was but they have indeed seen a really good film i it's it's not a werner herzog film but it's really you're talking about you're talking about himmel uber berlin right? himmel uber berlin yeah that that's it himmel himmel wings of desire yeah, in english yeah Right, I, it's spoilers. That's that is a Jeb's favorite movie. Yeah, yeah. Which is why it stuck in my head when I saw it in the thread. Of like, what? That has nothing to do with Werner Herzog. That was Wim Wenders. Yes, uh, but it's German cinema. I guess there's that talent. It's German. Well, it, well no, it's 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 Franco-Germanic mm. because it's a joint production between France and uh, France and German publisher or uh, direct. Hmm. You know what I? Mean. I know what you mean. Yes, Fox. <laughs> movie House. Um. I wish I could remember the fellow's name because that would bring a lot more uh, punch to the way I'm relating this story. But who was the playwright who pioneered that idea of deliberately distancing the audience from the magic? Brecht. Brecht. I found a fantastic blog post about D&D from the perspective of Brecht (laughs) versus one of the, like, method actor type playwrights. (laughs) (laughs) And about how you play your character relative to the philosophy of, no, this is me, I have to immerse myself, and this is a character I'm piling you to make a good story. (laughs) (laughs) Tune in next week for when we discuss how how Henrik Ibsen applies to video games, and in particular Japanese-style role-playing games. (laughs) Um, On on that note, actually, there's a post Mm -hmm. on Wittgenstein, uh, which has been kind of like a crash course on Wittgenstein and gender uh, from the canon of the Persona games that a friend of mine who is a big Wittgenstein Uh-oh. fangirl has forwarded. <laughs> and I, I found it genuinely interesting to read. Oh, really? Yeah. I, yeah. God, I'm like inherently afraid of anything that talks about Persona and gender because I know we're going to have to discuss Japanese honorifics. Persona and Wittgenstein and gender. Persona in particular. Well. Yeah, yeah. And, and, like, Wittgenstein is dense as hell. Which, of course, brings me back to the re- to remembering that last year, in a Russian liquor store, a man was shot in the leg over an argument with another man <laughs> over Kantian philosophy. <laughs> like, how do you find the time to get into a deep argument enough that you're willing to shoot someone <laughs> when you're both just visiting the liquor store? I did not forget about that. Just the irony is beautiful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Russia exports really high quality irony. Well, how much immersion media are you familiar with? They export two things: irony and misery, <laughs> and vodka. Wait, you mentioned that. Well, the vodka goes in hand in hand with both. <laughs> hey, Jeb, what have you been playing lately? Oh yeah, we were talking about video uh, games. 
video games, yeah. Uh, what? And about uh, things falling apart and the 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 inherent uh, meaninglessness of all life, <laughs> meaninglessness of of life. And uh, I have been playing the beta for Tom Clancy's The Division by Ubisoft's Tom Clancy Division. <laughs> I'm not sure that's a joke. I think that's it's just not pointing actually, at a thing that actually exists. I don't think it stops being funny if it's not a joke. <laughs> there, there is a Tom Clancy division there, so I guess Tom Clancy's division made Tom Clancy's division. Um, <laughs> Tom Clancy game with the Tom Clancy branding, but not by Tom Clancy, rest his soul. No, hang on, what? Uh, Tom Clancy died. Did Tom Clancy die? It, it happens he to be. He sure did. Huh. His, his yeah, brand just... didn't die, but yeah, his, his, his brand lives on. Yeah. Ooh. Near, far... Wherever you are, <laughs> my brand will go on. My my first introduction to Tom Clancy as a young man was staying up really late one night and portrait of Tom Clancy as a young man of uh, David Letterman. <laughs> where David Letterman, and this is like 1998, where David Letterman was saying, "We've got a preview of the new Tom Clancy book," and he holds up this gigantic prop book, so you, obviously it's big enough so the audience can read it. Where on the front of the cover it reads, "Please, Russia, do me a favor and be evil again." <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get that joke for many years later, but it's a good one. Whoops. I thought you were just going to say he pulled out a plastic rocket launcher or something. Well, uh, this particular Tom Clancy, uh, this Tom Clancy joint, if you will, um, is about a, a terrorist bio-attack in New York City on Black Friday. Oh... That's actually a really good time to put your uh, plot. That, that's that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, there's Christmas everywhere. And oh, no, this is horrible. <laughs> you've got Because there is. There's Christmas everywhere. You've got like the preemptive. Um, yeah, you've got the, the preemptive imagery of Christmas. And you've got the, the, the critique of capitalism creating these dense population centers of all these vulnerable people. And then you've got terrorists being slain through superior gunpowder. I, I, I gotta say, that's pretty much a very, that's a very American game. Actually, I really appreciate the use of Black Friday there, because if it was just Christmas, then it would be, like, that's, that's kind of baby's first freebie juxtaposition. Oh no, horrible things are happening, but Christmas is normally associated with happy things. Oh no! So, so, so you were expecting, because of the Christmas, something nice. Uh, yes. And what you got was something, a terrorist attack. That, that, that's not nice. I, I was terribly disappointed and surprised. Yes, it was not at all what I expected. Australians I do irony even... very bluntly, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Jake. Well, uh, these, these terrorists are, spoilers, um, they're actually American pharmaceutical companies. Ooh. <gasps> corporate it's criticism. Not, it's, it's actually corporate entities that are murdering. Man. So, uh, obviously it. Tom Clancy is dead. Um, <laughs> because it's not the Russians. Well, you know, Tom, Tom Clancy it's... is dead because Tom Clancy was never alive, if I understand my Werner <laughs> Herzog. Now I say that aloud. <laughs> anyway. Are you going to say going Tom Clancy really, was in we're going a robot? In... <laughs> Deep cuts. Bart's going to show up in the middle of this and say, Cowabunga, also the author has no right to comment on their work. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, this is me picking up the fact that I know Jeb knows this stuff on an academic level, and Fox is giving me this look of like, eh? Yeah, yeah, you two have left me in the media studies weeds. I was playing Sonic the Hedgehog, mate. (laughs) Death death of the author as a young man. Um, Ah. That's the smartest joke I've ever told. It <laughs> was beautiful. We think yeah. very highly of you, the listener. Thank you for coming along with us on this long walk. <laughs> this makes my literary about- reference entirely disappointing, because I was just going to try and work in horses somehow, <laughs> so I could make up Tom Clancy of the Overflow. Oh, that, that, you're, that that's cultural. It's cultural exchange. But go on. Tom Clancy's The Division. <laughs> Oh yeah, that, that's a game. Uh, it's a multiplayer, like a like a sort of an MMO shooter. Yeah, like an MMO RPG shooter where you collect the loot and you do the side quests and things like that. You gather the resources and you make the upgrades. All those things I'm not supposed to like, according to <laughs> according to um, various sources of what video games are and aren't allowed to be anymore. So it's a little bit like someone uh, thought Destiny had done quite well. <laughs> yeah, it's very Destinish. 
you know, I... It's very much like Destiny, and uh, I like Destiny. Yeah, I'm, I'm personally looking forward to a gaming landscape defined by a couple of things that are trying to do Destiny that don't require me to own an Xbox One, because <laughs> everything I hear about Destiny makes me think that, yeah, sure, it's got problems, but the core idea is pretty cool. Unfortunately, uh, the duration doesn't have um, jet bikes ah. like Destiny does. Ooh. But at last check, but... it does have remote control cars with pipe bombs on them. I haven't seen any of those, but it does have... Sorry, who is the terrorist? <laughs> Hasbro. Um, which remind me, to tell, remind me to tell you what I read about the Eternal Masters the other day. Well, while we're talking about Eternal Masters... I'm sorry, we keep splitting off from the division. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Jeb? Uh, what was I even saying? You were saying um, it's like a, it's a Destiny-like uh, massive Destiny-like, player online uh, you... shootery game. Uh, you have you know, you you walk around you you shoot the bad people and you give the not bad people you give them like candy bars and sodas and they'll give you a hat or something. <laughs> By the way, there is cosmetic equipment in this, which of course makes it great. <laughs> uh, in addition to, of course, like actual armor and backpacks and stuff like that that you equip. But most importantly, there is fashion. Fashion. Um, uh, since there's the the smallpox outbreak has caused citywide quarantine. Uh, some places are, uh, contaminated, so you need to have a certain level of, like, gas mask filter in order to go into them and survive, <laughs> which is a neat little touch. Yeah. Yeah, so, so it's a way of, ga- of gating unlock by progress without it necessarily seeming really silly and arbitrary. Mario suit! That's a <laughs> well, nice touch. I don't think so. Usually what the, usually what the, uh, at least, at least the beta, the, the contaminated zones are more for, like, shortcuts. Oh, that's also nice. So it is more Varia suit. Hmm. Huh. That's cool. Uh, now, in the there is, however, the the I assume why they call it the division is there is a very large wall that has been has had to be erected because deeper into the city uh, things are really bad and like electronic communications have been fucked with. Hmm. So when you go into this, they call it the dead zone. You no longer have you you know like you don't don't have your voice in your ear anymore. Huh. Like, you don't have your, your commanding officer telling you, okay, you have to go to this place and do this. And that's where the PvP takes place. That's pretty cool. Yeah. As well as the, the higher level uh, PvE content. Hmm. Non-ideal. Uh, the, the I, I personally there, prefer... The enemies there, are stro- enemies there are stronger. Okay. So they drop better loot. A- any equipment that you pick up in the dead zone is contaminated. So you have to go to certain places, call in a helicopter to pick up your loot and get it to camp- decontaminated. Before you can uh, get it out of your stash and use it. Hmm. This is all so really the best loot. The best loot that you can get, you have to find in the PvP area, yeah. take it to a check, like a checkpoint, defend yourself until the helicopter shows up, and then, uh, and then there's a little, not really quick time event, but you have to put it on the helicopter, and then you can leave. Huh. I, look, I... <laughs> I, I'm not a fan of uh, PvP and PvE forced intermingling myself, but at the same time, that does sound like an interesting idea, and certainly the fr- they're using their framing device to create an interesting game situation. I like that. I like the sort now, of higher-level if... area that kind of has its own concept, but mm. forcing PvP in a single-player game for me is a deal. Well, it's right not now. a single-player game, well, it's an MMO. Uh, it's a single-player campaign to... Okay, to get the best stuff in the nominally do-it-by-yourself game. Mm. Well, I can't. I can't say how much actually takes place in the dead dead zone for story content because I've only played the beta. Yeah. Well, yeah, but if that's where the best equipment is, I assume you're expected to get it. It's in the beta. the 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 dead zone equipment is more or less to help you do better in the dead zone. If that's the only place you need it, then it's not that objectionable. But I just, I feel this is almost like my accessibility issue kind of thing. I just, I hate. I hate playing against other players. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> I should be able to avoid it. That's all I want. Unless the game is about playing against other players, that's different. I mean, I, I personally Which have a hard time I, interacting I think... with other players on a positive note in, in some games these days. I, I, the idea of playing co-op makes me uncomfortable. The idea of playing co-op well, with people do... I don't know and trust, yeah. You can do both in, uh, in Dead Zone. Oh, well, that's cool. Which it, yeah, because super great. You, I'm not you don't I become, want to be down on the game or anything. Be... You don't become uh, a target for PvP until you repeatedly attack other players. 
At okay, which so point, it's... you become a known target to the other players, and you become worth morphed to them to kill. Does that mean it's not just a you walk into the zone, you're flagged for PvP? You can shoot people and they can shoot you, but they'll be punished unless you quote-unquote go rogue. Okay. Which I accidentally did. <laughs> That's not too bad. Though. I set up a proximity mine and one of the other people <laughs> who was at the helicopter oh, no. tried to run it, run in at the guy who was walking towards the proximity mine and then everything exploded. Oh, no. It wasn't my fault, but... Oh, no. <laughs> so... You're having fun. But with what it. I did was I used I used the surrender emote. Nobody shot me, so I was okay. <laughs> it has jumping jack emote, which makes it the game of the year. <laughs> Hell, just a shooter with emojis is kind of sorry with emotes is kind of cool. It has dancing and surrendering and saluting. That's all pretty cool. So you're having fun with it. Uh, I had a reasonable amount of fun with it. I probably won't buy the full game. Mm. Now, are they going to... Do, do you know if they're going to do what they did with... I think it was Ghosts, which is free to play, but here are 15 bundles you probably want to buy. <laughs> oh, it's a full price game. Oh, that's... Honestly, honest to God, this sounds like that's a relief to me nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Buy this game. You will receive this game. Holy shit, what a deal. I don't know if I ever spoke about it at the time, but the most recent one of the Nintendo free-to-plays that I've been mucking about with, which was the Pokemon Picross, I really respected the fact that they were willing to say, okay, you will only ever spend this much money. They had a free-to-play with in-game purchases, and they didn't just go, hey, you know, this is an endless opportunity for money! Yeah. Man, they went, if you spend this much, you can have the whole game, don't worry about it. In, in development levels, they are referring to free-to-play games as... Uh, uncapped pay games where it's possible <laughs> to get someone to pay you any amount of money for it, yeah. uh, which is which is viciously exploitative and really uh, a problem when you get it that, when that's in your design mindset. So I quite appreciate that Nintendo and a couple of other developers have said, "Look, we're going to put a ceiling on our game." Well, in this specific case, anyway, the other ones are certainly yeah uncapped money grabbing typical kind of thing but yeah. the Picross game was quite special I that. think um, uh, Rusty's something or other baseball game oh the baseball shack yeah the baseball shack's another one of those ones where it's got a capped <laughs> ceiling on like how capped? much huh. yeah it, it's just you buy the game it's just you buy it in chunks and you can argue it down right um, yeah this would be similar so this yeah you can buy it in whatever installments at a time you want I, I personally am a little sad to see that the Ghost in the Shell uh, team shooter appears to be um, $5 buy-in and bundle, 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 bundle. That makes me a little sad. I hope that it's good anyway, because, I mean, it's early access and they're doing that kind of sales model. Those two things together don't make me um, very happy, but I will probably wind up buying it at some point <laughs> when it's on sale because I'm weak. You can dare to Because I can't resist things. <laughs> Not well, every game can burn you as hard as Watch Dogs did. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, but, well, look, the, the thing with... The thing with the Ghost of the Shell game is that, like, if it does actually wind up being $5 buy-in to play the cut-down bodgy version of this game, where you still get to be an invisible cyber cop shooting terrorists in their uh, laughing man-style faces, I will probably still play that for a bit. <laughs> it's got a robot arm with a bazooka in it. Come on! Goodness knows you have plenty of fun with the Mass Effect multiplayer. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I sunk 70 hours into Mass Effect before Mass Effect 3 before I started the single-player campaign. <laughs> That's weird. It's a little weird. Um, I think the full game. I think the full game is going to have the entirety of New York, so it should be pretty fucking huge. That's pretty impressive. Do, do we mean the entirety of New York in the way that um, Watch Dogs has the entirety of Chicago? No, I mean the entirety of New York, as in they did an incredible job of replicating New York. Nice. According to people I have watched play the game who are from New York. Hey, that's cool. <laughs> who are making this face? I, the first mission you go through puts you through Madison Square Garden. I assume that's an important place in New York. Yeah. That's one of the biggest entertainment venues in the entire world. I, I have to say, I hope the game comes with decals and with the, with the degree of climbing, because I can just imagine, like, a Jeb climbing to a particular window and putting a telescope decal there. Hey, Fox, what are you playing? There, I added something. <laughs> uh... Jeb brings the content and the value. Um... It's all downhill after that death of the author trick. <laughs> Yeah, but honestly, we could just mic drop at that point and leave the whole... Cut the whole podcast, yeah, we're done. We're done. <laughs> oh, God. 
I've turned into one of those wankers who giggles at, at, at jokes about about high level academic theory. What is wrong with me? What is life? We can always we can always just take that sound clip as our little teaser that we mean to send to Cass. <laughs> this is the downloadable concept podcast where we talk about things like the death of the author as a young man. <laughs> Hmm. Uh, I sus- so Fox, what are you implying? I suspect the answer to this is going to be nothing. It's forty degrees. Leave me alone. <laughs> it has been too hot lately, and actually we've had probably, well, definitely the coolest day we've had so far in February. And it's not fe- no, it is February. February. Yeah. See, I don't even know what month it is. The weather has fried my brains. It's true. It has been exceptionally warm here, too. It is like 18 degrees right now. Jesus. No, no, no. That's a Canadian winter if it's 18 degrees there. Crap. I know. I just wish it was 18 degrees here. Yeah. Last 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 weekend, it was uh, minus uh, 30. Um, I don't wish for that. <laughs> I, I wish for that just That's- to see if it actually exists. I, I don't know. I I, oh. I shuttered up the entire apartment. <laughs> I hid. Do not tempt fate, Talon. My... This is too cold for a Canadian. <laughs> My 30 is too cold. You may also be a Yeti. <laughs> yeah, the... There's this thing I've been trying to talk to explain to people lately about being under siege by summer in Australia. Like, this is not a common thing that happens. This is not every summer. Some summers are not as bad <laughs> most as Most summers are pretty bearable, really, you know, for the most part. But in this case, the, the, the heat has been so oppressive, it's meaning things like it's, it's 1 a.m. and it's 28 degrees and the temperature has been steady or it's, it's 3 in the... It hurts to think. <laughs> Good luck sleeping, fucker. Hope you don't have work tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. The, the fact that it's being hard to sleep and the morning comes and then it starts to heat up and your body goes, hang on, it's heating up, something's wrong. Wake up, you need to move. And and so day after day of four hours of sleep, even when you're trying to be, you know, responsible adult and get your full, you know, block of time, uh, when that's happening consistently for a month and every day is spent trying to come up with, okay, how can I make the next day not so fucking awful? It, it completely obliterates the ability of people uh, to, to function the same way. Like, I can, I, I, the idea of sitting in an air-conditioned office and doing data entry is really seductive right now. <laughs> <sighs> Problem with that is eventually you have to leave the air conditioning. Yeah, which does make it even worse. We, which we have some friends in Melbourne who uh, this is two years ago now, but Melbourne's summer had a peak heat day because of heat coming across from from west uh, from southern Australia rolling across Victoria, um, and then a polar storm from the Antarctic smashed up across Tasmania and into Melbourne. So people went to work, and at seven in the morning. When they, when you know, seven to eight in the morning, when they left their house, it was thirty-two degrees. And then when they got out at home and started heading home, it was seven. So all these people came to work dressed as cool as possible for the commute. Turned up at work, unexpected cold shift. Something like twenty minutes, they lost twenty degrees of heat across the city. (laughs) Would things start breaking at that point? I don't know. Like it's an People. awfully quick cool down for weather. We call that our we call that our spring. Yeah. <laughs> Though to be fair, your spring lasts three days. That's right, the summer. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> yeah. Uh, th- th- this is this is the podcast you've tuned into, listener. We talk about Tom Clancy's The Division, the weather, Bart, and uh, really good cinema from from Jeb's <laughs> uh, studies. Uh sorry. It's just, it, no, it's no, hard fine. to think about playing games when you're just sitting there wishing that you had. <laughs> Any version of a bra that wouldn't get sweaty. <laughs> we bring you the honest input here. <laughs> well, I mean, for, for me... Uh, this is a reality people with boobs have to live with. Yeah, this for, for me, uh, my video game playing this week has been split between um, World of Warcraft, which really at this point has become a kind of a hate crush. Oh, yeah, there you go, World of Warcraft. That's what I'm fussing about in World of Warcraft. Yeah, where, like, for the most part, my playing in World of Warcraft is sitting here going, what the fuck are they thinking? This is awful. (laughs) It's like I've found, like, a really bad fancy meal and I'm just insisting on eating it all for some reason. (laughs) There's something deeply wrong with me. Cost 35 fucking dollars i'm gonna eat it <laughs> yeah yeah you 
and weird and still, World of Warcraft's not making me pay any money right now. As long as I can generate gold, I can play the game for quote-unquote free. I'm gonna eat it, because otherwise I won't understand everything that they fucked up about it. This is the then bi- I won't be able to complain legitimately. Y- you know what that reminds me of? Bioshock Infinite. <laughs> of, of Slate. Sitting there on the floor delivering one of the few really good lines of the game of, you know, you finish what's on your plate, soldier. But, yeah, I, uh, I, I've played that, and I went, like, you know, stinking hot. We play video games to escape from these things, and I own the long dark. So what did I do? I went back and replayed some of Far Cry 3. Because, what's wrong with me? But, yeah, Far Cry 3, that is much like the division it's a bad wrong terrible game that's also really fun we should we should play uh never alone <laughs> that's full of snow and we should get our hands on grand shark auto i it's all underwater i kind of want oh that sounds i kind of want to hack get subnautica I kind of want to hack the uh, patch notes on the Long Dark. Like, if I was I was a dev for the Long Dark, I would be routinely now slipping in joke patch notes about the wolves. Like, wolves no longer carry switchblade knives. <laughs> wolves, wolves no longer know where your family live. Uh, wolves no longer have the solution to P equals NP. <laughs> Wolf teleportation reduced in range. But yeah. Wolves no longer know fear. Wolves! Honorary degrees revoked. <laughs> so... Who wants to- Wolves have dropped out from the Republican the presidential nomination. <laughs> p- p- please bark. So patched note for wolves. Bark. <laughs> so I got a retro. Best patch note ever. Bark button added to bark at wolf. Nice. Yes. Bark at wolf. Bark, wolf bark back. All, almost all games can benefit from something like a bark button. Oh, okay, this is my theory. All games will be improved by a bark button. I uh, actually tell you what about uh, buttons that improve games. Did you know that Saints Row three and four have a flag for entity? Like you know, it's all context sensitive controls. So like doors have a flag on them saying open, right? Uh, so that that will tell the players context sense controls. You know, if you're near here and pointing at the open, we know a flag. Yeah, uh, one of the flags is mountable velociraptor, <laughs> and if you put mountable velociraptor on a game entity by hacking the console or something like that, when you go towards them, you get the context sensitive button of mount velociraptor. You will hoist up on the character's shoulders and ride around <laughs> on their shoulders like a, 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 a piggyback ride. <laughs> But they will bring in their arms and tuck them in front of them and try to model the <laughs> Velociraptor movement. You're kidding. No. See, I thought it would just sort of mash you together like you were riding on a raptor-shaped mount. But you're telling me I can ride around on Keith David's shoulders. <laughs> well, he's doing little dinosaur arms, yes. That is beautiful. That yeah. is just beautiful. Yeah. Game of the year. There, every year. There was, there was, a, there was a, there's a reason they finally put the DLC, one of the DLC models includes a Velociraptor for a, for a short joke, but it's great. <laughs> I have seen the joke, in fact. I'm not, I'm not spoiling it for the listeners. Nope, the listeners are going to have no. to find it for themselves, but it's fucking awesome. And now it's time for Retro Gaming News. All the news that's fit to print for the month of February 1996. Oh God, I'm on fire! 1996. 20 years ago. It's a leap year, so there's an extra day, so they can cram more games in. Now, one of the nice things about Wikipedia-style history is that typically, the further back you go in under-examined fields, the more likely you are to find... Uh, but we're still lit up, right? Mm, yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah, everything's good. I'm just making this face because I know something that came out in 1996. Like, without even being prompted, I know a thing! Awesome. You better mention it or I will beat you! Anyway... Uh, this this being uh, Wikipedia-style history, what gets remembered tends to tie into popular opinion, which means that if you look up the 1996 in video games on Wikipedia, it just happens to be all the hits. <laughs> no one's remembering whether or not some crappy Yuka knockoff came out in that year. People are remembering what, you know, had a fucking impact. So. Nobody's remembering, like, that, that Kabuki fighter game. Yeah, or, or Sango Fighter. The Genesis. Yeah. So, first gen game I own. And by the way, Great. three days I played it with a computer joystick. <laughs> three days before the start of February, Duke Nukem 3D came out. Oh, it's February. It's February. It's not the whole year. Not the okay. whole year. Okay, my thing probably didn't come out in February. Well, you're gonna see. I'm gonna Damn read it. you. Doesn't matter. I'm just gonna yell Pokemon at you every time. It came out in Jan. It came out in February. Well done. Hey, I won retro gaming news. <laughs> <laughs> you mean something came out besides Pokemon in 1996 nope. February? 
So we're gonna. I'm gonna read you the descriptions of the summary page on <laughs> okay, Wikipedia. Okay. Well, let's see what you get, and you get a developer as well. So this is a SquareSoft game, visual novel, pseudo sequel to legendary RPG. Radiant uh, thingy, my bubber. <laughs> Radical Dreamers. Radical Dreamers. That one, yeah. Radical Dreamers, yeah. Uh, you think I remember the name of that fucking thing? <laughs> I played that fucking thing. <laughs> I still can't remember the fucking name of it. Yeah. I, I've never It wasn't very I've good. I've never played Radical Dreamers, but it sounds like the kind of game that like would inspire a Madonna album, so I'm not particularly excited <laughs> by it. Actually this is the nineties, so it sounds like the kind of game that would hire a cartoon series. Yeah, true. Um I mean it's the sequel to Chrono Trigger. Pseudo sequel, it says. Radical Dreamers. It's, it's, sold the, separately. it's the sequel to it's the sequel to Chrono Trigger. It is literally right after Chrono Trigger. <laughs> Oh, I thought it was after Chrono Cross. No, it served as the inspiration for the actual scene. It was the, ah. it was the bridge between the two. Uh-huh. All right, we have another Squaresoft game. It's why Shala shows up for some reason in... in or, uh, not Shala, Luca shows up in Chrono Cross. Oh. Huh. So we have... Radical Dreamers suck, though, by the way. Just, just so you know. It was bad. <laughs> Squaresoft released a turn-based strategy RPG spin-off in the Final Fantasy series be Final Fantasy before Tactics. Final Fantasy Tactics. Hmm. It's a spin-off of Final Fantasy? It's a spin-off of Final Fantasy before Final Fantasy. So it's not Live Alive? It's not Live Alive. Right, well, unless Tactics Ogre started like Squaresoft made games I'm not besides sure. Live Alive? Um, <laughs> it was often called Bahalag in Japan. Bahamut Lagoon? Bahamut Lagoon. <laughs> That's the one where you can feed... You could feed your 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 dragon pornography. <laughs> I that, do that every day. Hit me. Yeah. <laughs> that's 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 the one where you get the dragons and you can feed the dragons different things and it changes them into other dragons. And one of the things you can feed them is porn, and they change it to fox. You could. Yeah. <laughs> Three munchlaxes in a dragon suit. <laughs> Are you sure this is gonna get us porn? Yeah, yeah. Trust me, it'll be great. <laughs> yeah, that, that is the game where you can feed your dragon pornography. Wonderful. Next up. We have sequel to the strategy Super Famicom RPG, Front Mission. Front Mission 2? <laughs> well, Front Mission Gun Hazard. <laughs> that is the best Gun game. Hazard! Gun Hazard. I think I know Gun Hazard. <laughs> I think we need to make a new franchise based on the titular character, Gun Hazard. I think, I think Gun Hazard hangs out with Dick Attack. <laughs> so, we have a Nintendo game. So- we we have a we have an episode titled that. Yep. <laughs> Downloadable concept. Gun hazard. Uh, we have by Ferner Herzog. <laughs> we have a Nintendo game which is quote launching a wildly popular game series. That's all the description it gets. So this is Pokemon. Oh, WarioWare. Yeah, that's Pokemon Red and Blue. Or, sorry, Red and Green in Japan. Yes. All right. Hey Jeb, Microprose yeah. game. A claimed yeah. sequel to highly influential 1991 turn-based strategy game. The sequel oh. to oh, Master oh, of Magic or spiritual successor to Magi- Magi- Master of Magic? <laughs> uh, it's, you're definitely in the right family. Um, unfortunately, it's much more of the big name in that particular family. Not It's Civilization 2. Yeah, too. it's Civilization 2. And you recognize Microprose from somewhere. <laughs> yep. Now, he, he's... They also made the Magic the Gathering game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Now here's this Magic the Gathering game was awesome. Bring back Chandelar. I know you're listening, Wizards. <laughs> they, Enough of this duels the planeswalker bullshit. Give us Chandelar. They, they even teased, we want to quest. They even teased you with like Spirit of Chandelar in in, in like M13, didn't they? I know. What a I, bunch I, of I, M fifteen uh, had a soul of Chandelar. Uh, because fuck me, that's why. I thought you said Chandelar. Chandra La. Yes, the plane of Chandras. <laughs> well, brilliant. It is a red card. I mean, we have reg- we have Regatha. <laughs> that's that's the plane that Jaya Ballard started a monastery on, <laughs> and then Chandra became the head nun there. <laughs> By the way, Chandra is a battle nun of fire. Canonically, she is the fiery combat nun. <laughs> They should they should just straight up make a Takia MMO where you get <laughs> to jump between that? timelines depending on which one you prefer to exist in. You're the only player in the Warriors timeline along All right. with Alright Everyone else is like, ooh, dragons are like, fuck that. I am the king of no dragon land. Alright. <laughs> Not my Khan. Everybody likes Khan's better. Well you could well MMOs feel the need to the faction forever because <laughs> wow. So you could have you could send people from each timeline into the other timeline to be like, No, we have to kill all the dragons here as well or like, No, we have to try and bring the dragons back and kill the cars or something that like people could fight. You could swap sides because well, being they, stuck with the side. Needed Ugent 
needed Ugin in order to find out about the Eldrazi, and then... I... You know how they wound up dealing with the Eldrazi? Jace did it. No. No, 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 no. Oath of the Gatewatch is much better than that. Oh, okay. Uh, Chandra, Chandra set them on fire. Holy shit, I was wrecked! <laughs> That's what she did. Everything burns eventually. It's like, and, okay, the... The, the 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 official like explanation for why well why didn't anybody kill him before why didn't anybody kill him before nobody tried <laughs> Sean's just like fuck it I will just set them on fire so and it worked I, I love her a little bit right now that there, there's um there's a similar thing on the oaths in that all the technically speaking uh, technically text. speaking um in order to kill Ulamog Nissa helped yeah but Nissa helped with because Nissa was able to get rid of the immortality that's cool. Right, Nissa can help, that's alright. So, Nissa's... Fire doesn't need to succeed entirely on its own, and in fact that's red-green, isn't it? Which makes me even happier. Nissa's... Well, yeah, because uh, Nis- uh, they, they needed to like use the, 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 the sticks and plants and leaves and stuff and the green magic to use as kindling. <laughs> I, I believe Nissa's outrage uh, is involved, which is to say they basically stood around Kozilek kicking him and going, you know, you gonna cry? 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 Problems. I'm just imagining the listener holding their iPod in their hand, looking at it, going, what "The fuck, did <laughs> I, I play video games." <laughs> All right, now. Okay, hold on a second, though. You want to talk video games? Imagine how awesome, like, a Gatewatch character action game by Platinum would be. <laughs> they really, actually, they should get some studio. That should for that. be a thing. They have been pushing the Planeswalkers as characters, like they have the yeah. pop figures and all that. Well, so well, the, they're clearly the, the, the Gatewatch is literally them as literally them going with the the, the whole Justice League. Game. All right, podcast. <laughs> so hands come on, on head. No, all platinum. Eyes I, I'm saying platinum game where you can be Chandra. Jab, jab. Chandra. There should be more magical, like, fantasy superhero games. Like, I think that's why I like Fourth Ed so damn much. I that will turn this podcast around. Anyways, podcast, yeah, we'll be, we'll be good fine, now. Please, fine. We're two games from the end of the list. Can you please give me this? Jeff's <laughs> Oh, please, I haven't been near MySpace in, like, ten years. <laughs> Uh, there's there's a death of MySpace as a social network. <laughs> there's an academic paper which codifies the term MySpace angle in sexual encounter. Um, so this is this is the game that in this like honestly probably is the most obscure game in this lineup of month. Where it's a game by Looking Glass Studios, which Fox probably doesn't recognize. Jeb might catch as the developers of the original System Shock. Um, ah. mm-hmm. uh, British development company that made the brilliant idea of let's hire a whole bunch of PhDs and high-level academics and like really, really highly educated people and pay them like top-notch salaries to make games, uh, and then we collapse because the market will not buy enough of them. Um, <laughs> but they released a quote critically acclaimed FPS by the developers who later jo- developed genre-redefining titles such as the System Shock Two and Thief series. Now, notably, this game was a first-person tactical squad-based uh real-time shoot game Mm -hmm. in 1996 uh set in the far-off future of the 24th century where corporations ruled the world and america had uh imperially conquered everything through commercial exchange Mm. they were called the hegemony (laughs) yeah yeah uh it's um it's it's syndicate. No. No, no, it's it's no? not syndicate. No. Um Sy- syndicate was bullfrog, remember? By Pete My Car oh. Smells of Fish Molyneux. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No, no, no. Th- this game this game was developed um uh, it was distributed by Virgin Interactive. The composer uh was the composers were Eric and Terry Brosius, which is a name that's like super prolific in games. Um it, it was that particular genre of FPS where they knew they couldn't render a ton of fast moving terrain, so the HUD is enormous and it's meant to look like you're looking out through goggles that push up under the <laughs> underside of your nose, but because you could still see the HUD, clearly these goggles extend like an extra foot from your face. <clears throat> Uh, you're all running around in giant mecha suits. Well, not giant mecha suits, but bigger mecha suits. Um, it's, uh, it was praised for artificial intelligence in teammates who could be given tactical commands, but... Ah, uh, Daikatana. <laughs> wow. No, this is well before, this is before Daikatana got announced. No, uh, <laughs> this is Terra Nova, Strike Force Centauri. Oh. Like I said, it's basically the most obscure game in this lineup. 
Yeah. That was a bit of a history lesson. Yeah. Um, Ter- Terra Nova's available on GOG if you want to go give it a shot. It's not a bad game. It's not nearly as, like, it's not an enduring classic, but it's certainly good in that technically interesting way. Yeah, it's impressive that that existed that early on. Yeah. Now, we have the 11th game in Come the... Come on, Seg. Go on. There, there, was a, there was a roguelike on the Genesis. Huh. I'm surprised. Toe Jam and Earl. What's that? Toe Jam and Earl came out in February 1996. Did it? That was a... I don't know. I'm saying... It... That was a roguelike? That was a roguelike. I'm just saying, like, you know, you get surprised by the things that came out. Toe Jam and Earl came out before 96. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I... But, yeah, it was a roguelike. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, it generated its levels procedurally and some of its puzzles procedurally. Wow. Like, it was possible. I have no idea. Uh, well, I thought it was just another action game with... Weird. Well, no, the, like, the, I, the gifts you picked up, the, 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 like, the, the, the gifts, you didn't know what they were until you used them the first time. Yeah. Just like the potions in Rogue. Yeah. Huh. It was directly inspired by Rogue. And the wow. maps generated differently every time. That's kind of amazing. Did you know that there's a yeah. Toe Jam and Earl uh, reawakening Kickstarter being developed? I think I heard something about there that, and a, I was like, Jesus Christ, a... nothing from the 90s dies. <laughs> it looks a bit like a 1999 DeviantArt Accounts idea of a game. <laughs> That's... I, I watched I watched a full playthrough of Toe Jam and Earl last night on Twitch. Oh, the original? Yeah. Cool. It was quite, quite an entertaining stream. Yeah. It's, it's, it, Toe Jam and All was a good game. But, um, sorry. Now we have the last game from <laughs> February 1996. And this came out on February 29th. <laughs> Not interesting or relevant at all, but still. That's kind of interesting. The, Not a lot of games could do that. The 11th game in the blank series employing a 360 degree view of environment. 11th. 11th game in Christ. 1996. What game series had time for 11 installments? Yeah, fuck. Ah, uh, Ultima. It was released by Activision. It would almost be Ultima, but I think they were only up it's to 8 Ultima. or 9 at that point. No. Pay- well, if you count like the... the if you count the Underworlds, yeah. Oh, yeah, true. But no, it's not Underworld. It's not Ultima. No, no. It's definitely not Underworld. No, no, but it is But it is a game that's about going underground. An Activision game with 360 degrees. Well, Activision had bought the property at this point. Okay. There weren't that many Descent games. No, uh, and the original developer of this, uh, the game franchise, it was, um, uh, the, ga- the, game ser- the game franchise has a legitimate complaint about being kind of obscure and hard to finish. That could be like uh, any RPG type thing. That could be like any game from the like eighties. <laughs> eleven though, I can't think of anything games. that was up to eleven by nineteen ninety six. And it went like one, two, three, beyond zero. Fuck Zork. Yes. Oh. Mm, wow. Eleven. Nemesis. Yeah, Zork Nemesis was the eleventh Zork game in nineteen ninety six. Which oh, so when you say go anywhere, it's okay. Yeah. Jeez, they were prolific. Uh, the first version of Zork was 1977. Shit! Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and the actual Zork franchise kind of, you know, exploded? It's it's a really weird um, franchise, especially because it had technically a parallel franchise, the Enchanter series. <laughs> which, one of the plot points in Enchanter is you've ended the Zork series, Zork can't happen anymore because <laughs> you killed it. Nice job, player. <laughs> but yeah. Like you do. Uh, interestingly, or not, uh, this is the only Zork I'm pretty I've sure that's a thing you can do else. in Dark Souls. Yeah. Uh, I came to the party a bit late for all the other ones. <laughs> the, in, in my opinion, the best Zork is still uh, Zork Zero for actual playability. It breaks up a lot of its obtuse, you can't work out what the fuck's going on puzzles with a much more reasonable, um, a, a much more reasonable stance of we're just going to shell out to a actual puzzle that you know, like we're going to do a Tower of Hanoi. Yeah. Like, ra- rather than make you text your way through a Tower of Hanoi, we're going to give you an interface for a Tower of oh, Hanoi. Oh, okay. Um, it's not like they chose to do a Tower of Hanoi because that would be easier or more approachable. No, no, no. If they were going to do a puzzle that you could... Provide the pieces of a puzzle for. Zork, Zork Zero was impenetrably dense. Zork Zero features... Um, Zork Zero's hint system has in it numerous hints for puzzles that don't exist in the game. Uh, Do they exist in other games? No. No, and they're... They should have done and that. And they're really elaborately described, too. Like, you know, this is not a... They should have done that. They should have put, made some of the fake ones for put them in other games. Yeah. Um, other games that they didn't make. In have clues for other games you can make in your game. In if the any if any the listener is developing a puzzle game for any reason, 
Put hints in your hint system for other games. Yeah, try jumping. <laughs> all of them are try jumping. In in uh the in the in the um in Zork Zero it had the first range of keyboard shock. Like look was F one, which it helped. <laughs> um and it had all yeah. hey. but throughout that all all the function keys were a, a shortcut and if you were of who had a twelve function instead of ten, because um, that was the thing on keyboards at the time. Um, if you had an F eleven and F twelve, F twelve was give magic medallion to moose. It was a whole command, and you pressed F twelve, it would input it. There's no magic medallion. There's no moose. There's no reason for that command. If you right. ever type, listener, listener, <laughs> the puzzle game that you're making now. <laughs> With the clues for the other games. Needs a magic medallion and a moose. Make sure that you have a magic medallion and a moose. Well, much like a bark but button. Don't make don't let them give magic medallion to the moose. Save that for the secret. <laughs> much like a bark button, uh, the presence of a moose does improve about ninety eight percent of games. So a listener. In fact, the a solution moose. for the encounter the solution to the encounter of the, with the moose is to bark at it. Nice. <laughs> That's a freebie right there. <laughs> By the way, uh, the other stuff, like flanking, like I said, you know, Duke of 3D came out just before February 1996. You could both bark at the same time at the moose. Oh, not that kind of flanking. Uh, March 1996 had Time Crisis, Super Mario the RPG, Kirby Superstar, Resident Evil. Yeah, don't ruin 1996 for us. We'll just be back. Just saying, here. 1996 is a fucking impressive year. We'll be back for other months. And it, and and the thing is, yeah, we are just you just spoiled March. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been fun to talk about. Well, the thing is, I can give it. I can give it two weeks, and you knuckleheads will have forgotten what I was talking about. <laughs> I will fucking forget. Well, give me a month. retro yeah. gaming news where you give us a list of games, and we have to guess what year. <laughs> That's a pretty cool idea. Um, I I also know that for retro gaming news, like we have two years that at one point we're going to be completely bereft of topics. We're going to have a lot of time to work with. It's going to be very easy for us. So Jeb and I are just going to go, fuck it. We're going to do 1998. We're going to do 1999. <laughs> That's the whole podcast. <laughs> we're not going to talk about what games we have played. We're just going to start with the retro gaming news bumper. And this is what 1999 was like. This was what was so in the this water. Is this is... This is, this is when Half-Life came out, and it might be the worst game of the yeah. year. <laughs> oh, you don't have to convince me. I've seen the list for 1999. Yeah. And 1998 is equally amazing. Now, admittedly, my uh, experience with that year uh, localizes a little more towards consoles, yeah. but it was also a very good console year. Ocarina of Time! Woo! <laughs> with, uh, with, with 1999 for the PC, one of the things about that year that makes it stand out is that, that was the year when John Romero convinced investment capital to come to video games so you had all these video game developers who suddenly were being told we have how did did you money did you put an extra zero on that <coughs> really no no you have money now you have money that's like the opposite of go today, forth my child where investment capitalists are attracted to video games and ruin them yeah yeah it, it, it's why you have this period of unprecedented creativity and modern classics being generated but they often didn't make enough money to justify their existence uh-huh. and that's where deus ex came from and now the Deus Ex sequels in the modern day kind of continue that legacy. That's <laughs> a bit of a downer. It's, it's a backwards. Told the new ones look the, the next ones looking pretty good. Yeah, I uh, I didn't honest honest to God, I didn't I didn't have any hope at all for the new Deus Ex. Like I heard about I heard about it primarily when people are talking about this pre order thing is absolute horseshit. And fine, I, I figured yeah, triple oh, A. Oh, the comp- pre order was for the next one. Yeah, triple A companies are gonna triple A. I don't care. It's it's not going to matter to me until the game is like a year old and someone sells it for like 10 bucks. Whatever. But then YouTube threw at me as one of the random suggestions uh, on Outside Xbox, them interviewing the art director for the new day for the new Deus Ex game. And fuck me, that game sounds so smart right now. Where, where he's talking about like visual aesthetic, where he's like, okay, so the first game we designed it to be a cyber renaissance, so we drew from renaissance influence, where you have um, completely unnecessary examples of geometric patterns <laughs> and whatnot. Like, like his his um his what is it? Uh, his suit has flowers on it, which we put there just to give it a sort of a renaissance air, to give it that prettiness. Whereas the response to the first game is this backlash effect, and now we are instead retreating to a dark ages. So the cybernetic implants are now being made to be more obvious and being made to stand out and that in turn means you have a counterculture where you have heavily cybernetic people who are deliberately getting big chunky uh, polygonal style 
uh, cybernetic limbs because they're saying, you know, screw you. Yes, I have a, I have an extra limb, but I need. So not so much dark age, more just a modern. And, and that's uh, the thing when he talks about when he says dark ages, he then goes on to cite dark ages art. Like this isn't just mm-hmm. a matter of someone referencing the dark ages as we would as a common metaphor for a period of, of produced scientific study. He's referring to literal art styles of this is the kind of art that was being generated during the dark ages. It was so striking to hear this very intelligent, very erudite man talking about artistic movements in video game asset development. It was fascinating. Go go and check out that video somewhere. Really good. Well, shit, that sounds cool as hell. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, speaking of speaking of cybernetics, it's cool as hell. Do you know there's a character in Read Only Memories <laughs> who is, um, well, she's basically a cyborg med- magical girl. Right. Who is very angry. Right. Because she can't get a rocket fist. Aww. <laughs> Why not? That's bullshit. <laughs> Ramona is the best. Um, oh, oh, by the way, you remember your conversation about how everything needs a John Wick game? Sorry, every, everything needs a, uh, a platinum game, Jeb. Yeah. I sat down a couple of weeks ago. Ramona is the is the star of the platinum uh, read only memories <laughs> game. Just so you know, I sat I sat down a c- because of course the part cyborg part magical girl is the is the star of the the, the platinum read only memories game. Uh, while demonstrating uh, the bot code I use for the bots I do make on Twitter. I was talking to a friend saying you know, the example I made was a game was a bot that would just generate phrase uh, uh, sorry a, pla- a, a platinum uh, sorry a game about sorry a blank game by platinum games <laughs> and the first suggestion I got after dumping the corpus into it was a John Wick game by platinum games Done. and I'm just saying I think we just invented Christmas for Doc Destructo <laughs> <laughs> John Wick a wrestler or a hockey player? John Wick is a movie. John Wick is a (laughs) really smart, really good action movie of Keanu Reeves kills every single person who killed his dog. (laughs) Ooh, okay. Yeah, it's yeah. A, yeah that's the re- that's that's the motivation. It's a murder revenge movie, except the murder victim is a dog, and therefore every and act of therefore violence, therefore everything is, is justified. justified. <laughs> I'm totally cool with this. You you did you did what you did what? Oh, and that's it. And there's a marvelous scene in this movie where where like the massive major crime boss picks up the picks up the phones and like you know uh, you know I understand you are hunting this character. Yes, what happened? He killed my dog. Oh, okay, click. <laughs> Oh, well, that makes sense, yeah. That, that makes sense. I'm out. I'm not saving his skin. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's oh fuck, that, fuck that guy. Man. <laughs> fuck that guy. Thank you for listening to the Downloadable Concept Podcast. It was, as much as anything can be said, a pleasure. That was Jeb. That was Fox. And that was Talon. Tune in next week when we will be inexorably progressing towards the end of all things. One step, one day, one breath. At a time. Wonder knuckles. <laughs> oh god. Oh god. <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking, okay, this is too dark. How do I pull up? How do I pull up? This is fucking wrecked me. Get wrecked. I got this.